0: The following is a message by Dr. Howell Jones from Westminster Seminary, California. For more information about this message or Westminster Seminary, visit us online at wscal.edu or call us at 760-480-8474. That's online at wscal.edu or call us at 760-480-8474. Eternal and ever blessed God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we humble ourselves before thee and make mention of no other name in connection with deity. Thou alone art God, there is none beside thee, none like unto thee. And we thank thee that thou hast not only disclosed thyself plainly as such, but that thou hast enlightened us concerning the truth as it relates to thee, thyself, and particularly that gracious and saving revelation that thou hast made to the children of men. Thou art our help. Thou alone art our help. We need no other help but thine. And so we depend upon thee, our Heavenly Father, through the merit of thy Son, our Saviour, the Lord Jesus Christ, And the consequent ministry of the Holy Spirit, bringing us to him, refreshing us with life eternal in union with him, and sanctifying us in accord with his image and likeness. We pray that thou wilt further that work of grace in our hearts and lives through thy most holy word, and grant that his kingdom might be extended to the uttermost ends of the earth. Remember those in need at this time, grant them thy presence and comfort and strength and continue thy blessing on the work of this seminary and its witness. For Jesus' sake, amen. Be seated, please. Turn with me to the second chapter of the book of Genesis. Genesis chapter 2, and we will read verses 8. Through 17. Genesis chapter 2, verses 8 through 17. Let us hear the word of God. And the Lord God planted a garden in Eden, in the east, and there he put the man whom he had formed. And out of the ground the Lord God made to spring up every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. The tree of life was in the midst of the garden, and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. A river flowed out of Eden to water the garden, and there it divided and became four rivers. The name of the first is the Pishon. It is the one that flowed around the whole land of Havilah, where there is gold, and the gold of that land is good. Delium and onyx stone are there. The name of the second river is the Gihon. It is the one that flowed around the whole land of Cush. The name of the third river is the Tigris, which flows east of Assyria. And the fourth river is the Euphrates. The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, you may surely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. May God bless to us his word. We've considered the opening words of Genesis chapter 3, now the serpent, and we turn this morning to the expression, Good and evil, knowing good and evil. Both of those uh, contain important uh, teaching and truth with regard to a consideration of the content of Genesis chapter 3, which we've undertaken to survey. Now this expression, knowing good and evil, is used twice in this third chapter of Genesis. It's there at the end of the fifth verse and also in the twenty-second verse. And its first use is by Satan himself. He says to the woman, you shall be like gods, knowing good and evil. The second is by the Lord God himself. And the second use of it Reflects the first use of it, inasmuch as God Himself picks up on that expression like God, like one of us. And so its use in Genesis 3 at the beginning, toward the end, establishes the continuity of the narrative uh, which that chapter records. And it gives it some focus by way of a theme. Knowing good and evil is what the fall was all about on one level. The battle over good and evil, identifying each accurately, responding to each appropriately. That's what the chapter records. And, of course, it does so by indicating what happens when that doesn't happen. It presents the consequences of not identifying each accurately and responding to each appropriately. And what it presents is the way in which death prevailed over life, almost to the point of its extinction. But there's a third use of this expression, which precedes the two that we've just mentioned, the two found in Genesis chapter 3, and we have just read it. It's God's own use. He was the first to use this expression, knowing good and evil, or the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And not only is it the case that at the end of 3, chapter 3, God's comment reflects Satan's comment at the beginning, but Satan's comment at the beginning of 3 reflects God's comment in the middle of chapter 2 because the serpent says to the woman, Hath God said... So there's another level of significance that we are to consider here. Not merely a battle over good and evil with the consequences of, as I've described, and death prevailing almost to the point of the extinction of life, but there's also the element of a divine arrangement, the possibility of life prevailing over death and prevailing over it forever. The conclusion of chapter 3 indicates live forever. There's that possibility inherent in the arrangement which God instituted by means of his word to Adam of life not merely continuing as it had been set up between God and Adam but of that life being enhanced and life forever being the result of it. So this expression knowing good and evil constrains us to look at its three uses its two speakers and they're as different from each other as it's possible to be. God on the one hand, Satan on the other. There's bigger differences between heaven and hell. And Adam and Eve are in between. So this expression, same words, but slightly different reality, referred to as each occurrence comes in the actual record. There's consistency here then coherence, but there's also variety, there's also development, there's something happening, there's something going on. With regard to consistency, it's the thread, of course, that runs through the historical record of the fall, good and evil, distinct from each other, opposite of each other. And that is the thread that runs in various ways throughout the whole of human history. We said right at the beginning. That this chapter Genesis 3 is not merely basic to the Bible. It's basic to life. If knowing good and evil is at the heart of what is presented here. Then knowing good and evil in some shape or form. With its positive or negative consequences. Is right at the heart of human history as it's unfolded ever since and as it is operating today. Identifying each accurately, dealing with each appropriately, that's being wise. Life is bound up with that. Not doing so entails death. The pursuit of what is good without God. The denial of the reality of evil because of the denial of God. This is part and parcel of our life today. In the whole of human history, it's consisted of attempts uh, to promote what is good. To remove what is evil by one's own wisdom and power. That's the story of fallen man. and All his ideologies and all his organizations trying to make... Well, yes, they would use the term paradise but not in a proper sense, trying to make a paradise on earth again. A couple of us here might remember uh, British Prime Minister, Sir Harold Macmillan, Scots Presbyterian, should have known better, introducing a British kind of lottery. Uh, Premium bonds, it was called. You had to buy something And uh, there was the possibility that your number might come up in a draw and then you had a prize. Introducing this in the House of Commons, Sir Harold Macmillan said, I can't save sinners, but I can teach sinners to save. And an attempt to minimize what threatens to swamp and destroy to keep off the chaos that results from growing rampant evil is at the heart of human history in one way or other. And of course, there's no answer. There's no power available to human beings to do that because all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And it's only grace Regenerating, sanctifying, glorifying sinners, resulting in a new heavens and a new earth in which everything will be not merely very good, but even better than it was before the fall, will ensue. It has begun. There's a consistent thread running through these chapters, running through human history. Well, what about the variety? Because that's what we must now begin to do by way of making our way into this most wonderful and important chapter of God's word, Genesis chapter 3. That means, of course, we have to begin at the beginning, which is outside Genesis 3. We have to begin with Genesis 2, with the first use of this expression, the knowledge of good and evil. It was God who said that. What kind of word was it? Well, it wasn't a word of creation, was it? Genesis 1 is full of creative words. God's fiat becoming fact, let there be, and there was. He never said, let there be evil. And there was. This isn't a word of creation, nor is it a word of explanation. God didn't explain to Adam sin's origin, but what he said gave a hint, an indication of sin's existence. It was a word of probation, wasn't it? That's the word that comes automatically to your mind and correctly to your mind in connection with this divine statement. It was a test. It was more than fair. More than fair. Explicitly, there was a warning of death instantaneous on disobedience and total dying you will die it's like blessing I will bless emphasis totality but implicitly there was a promise of life there Life was already enjoyed between Adam and God. Made in the image and likeness of God. Each enjoying fellowship with the other, which is life. But here's a specter. And the specter is that that life might be interrupted and might be destroyed. But it's not inevitable and it should never ever have happened if it doesn't happen then life forever is going to be the result and all it consisted in was a call to loyalty a call to continued love continued obedience On the part of the one to whom everything conceivable had been already given. He was there in the garden. Everything necessary for life with God and life for God was to be found there. He was there to tend what surrounded him using that intelligence and strength with which God had endowed him as his image and likeness. He was there as God's king to see to it that the garden was administered properly to tend unto God. And there was plenty to eat and there was more than enough to do And it was still all very good. This was not a word of temptation. It couldn't have been. It was a word of probation. And it was totally and utterly fair. All that it was asking Adam to do was to do what he had already been doing in terms of loving and obeying God and what he was eminently fitted and suited to do by virtue of his having been created in the divine image and in the divine likeness. So what do we expect? What should be expected? The last thing we should expect is that he should not obey. There was nothing in him And nothing in the word of probation that tilted him in the least in that direction. All that he had to do was to let the one who had created the world, planted the garden in wisdom and power determine for him what was good and what was evil. All he had to do was to let God be God. And why on earth should he have been unwilling to do that? You know what happened. I've been introducing the material in the way that I have. Taking a few risks perhaps here and there. In order to highlight the horror of Genesis 3 in order to highlight the mystery of it in order to make us afraid of sin afraid of ourselves aware of Satan's power who is more than our equal we'll have to see how it all unfolds but here's a question as we conclude our situation is now one in which sin that has brought forth death under the word of God reigns and who can deliver us from sin and death well, who, who existed at this particular time when the word was given? Well, there was the serpent. And if you know anything about homeopathy, you know that there's a kind of medication which consists of giving a dose of the illness in order to stimulate the body to fight against a greater illness, homeopathy. But no sin can fight against sin. You put sin against sin, and you have a greater sin. Deadness is a fact. Corruption is an increasing, growing reality. Never forget it. To be fallen is one thing. But that doesn't mean we're we're as bad as we could become. And to look to the serpent who introduced sin and consequently death came into the world To look at Satan, to look at evil, to look at blackness and chaos and debasement of human dignity as a way to salvation is to sign your ultimate and eternal death warrant with your own hand. The serpent doesn't have the answer. No creature has the answer either. Because no creature, I mean other than man, no creature can keep God's law. And now what creature can bear God's curse? Not even any other human being, the kindest, the dearest, the noblest, the purest. No one can redeem his brother. Nor provide a ransom to God for him. Our help is in the name of the Lord. And help me in salvation. Who made heaven and earth? Adam was pure. Good. He failed. It's not enough for a pure human being to step into the breach and keep all the demands of the law and bear the totality of the wrath of God by way of curse. Yes, I know a human has to do it. But more than a human has to be involved. God has to be involved. And he was the one who took our human nature to himself. That by means of that human nature, our disobedience and penalty might be borne but by means of his divine power. The victory might be won. Let us pray. We cannot understand, O Lord, how it should be that one so sinned against should be willing and desirous of becoming the savior of such sinners there is no other God like thee we will make mention of no one beside thee in the same breath and we will trust in no other our father In the name of thy Son and by the aid of thy Spirit, we thank thee that thou hast regenerated us and delivered us from sin's bondage and from its guilt and condemnation and from eternal banishment from thy blessed comforting presence and thou art making sinners holy. Carry on the good work we pray in us and in all thy people. For Jesus' sake. Amen. Copyright 2008, Westminster Seminary, California. All rights reserved. You are permitted to reproduce and distribute this material in any format, provided that you do not alter the wording in any way and you do not charge a fee beyond the cost of reproduction. For web posting, a link to this broadcast on our website is preferred.